This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. Thank you. Uh, I probably don't have a future as, a, as an internet phenom. I'm pretty sure I don't. But uh, that's what happens when you leave a pastor and his buddy who's visiting him for the weekend uh, alone on a rainy day with nothing better to do. So, so we, we were out filming that thing on Friday and uh, had a lot of fun doing it. And uh, I promise, I promise I will not do that, that ever again. Uh, <laughs> One of the reasons one of the reasons I did that, to be honest with you, is because sometimes when you're a new guy uh, up front, you see me in a sort of a preacher's mode, and you you, uh, you mistakenly think that I have no sense of humor at all. And I want you to know that I'm really actually a friendly, happy, and goofy enough guy to do a video like that. And so you can kind of weigh that reality with you know from now on when I preach, so you can know that I'm not just sort of this hardcore, you know, preacher boy. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's, uh, that's a fun way to spend the weekend. Anyway, we're in a series of sermons, as you know, called Life Together, and we are kind of marching through some, I think, pretty practical ways in which uh, we can begin to live life together in, in community. See, one of the interesting things that I have observed about life in general, and I'm an introvert, so I probably experience in certain ways that are different than some of you, but that is, is that we talk a pretty good game when we talk about wanting to be in relationship with other people and relationship to community, but when push comes to shove, you know, give me Michener's book and a blanket and I'm happy. You know, I, do I really want community? No, because people just mess up our community experience, right? Where there's other people you kind of, you kind of rub against one another. And so, um, part of the reason for this series of sermons and for the focus that we have here at Community Covenant is to help us, um, consider how community can work in our experience. And some of us are in different places in relationship to that, but that should not dissuade us from seeking community because I think this is what God intends. And so today I want to read for you a passage of Scripture that comes from Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. It's one verse, and it goes like this. You've probably heard it many times before. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, the interesting thing about the Proverbs are that uh, you can pretty much read a single proverb and that, that little proverbial piece of wisdom has some practical application. In fact, uh, unlike other parts of Scripture where you have to read the text sort of in larger context and you have to understand the, the, the nature of the day in which it was written and all that stuff, a proverb is basically a series of pithy little wise statements that are kind of strung together, and there's not necessarily a relationship between the one that was before and the one that's after. In this case, we have this proverb, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. What in the world could that mean? Well, I think it has something to do with how we engage in creative conflict. Because when two people uh, feel passionately about something, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, um, you you tend to disagree. You tend to bump into each other. You, you tend to knock heads. So I think what the, pro, uh, the writer of the Proverbs is telling us is essentially that this is a good thing. 
To, to have our edges worn off is not a bad thing. I was down in Anchorage and, with this friend of mine who we did that video with, and he goes, hey, can we go to the, to the uh, souvenir shop? And believe it or not, this is the first time I've been in a souvenir shop in, since I've been here, and I had no idea that you could put the word Alaska on so many different items. It's, I mean, it's actually mind-boggling to me. At any rate, I'm kind of wandering around. I wasn't really buying anything. Uh, he was. Uh, he, he, he likes refrigerator magnets. In fact, he's not here now, but he's going to be here in the next service. So uh, I'm going to say that and, and, and humiliate him. But anyway, uh, so I, I'm standing there, and there's this big, huge display, and it's something called a Ulu knife. Is that how you say it? Ulu knife? So I had never seen this before. I've never heard of it. And I'm, what I'm really wondering is, what is it for? So if you can tell me how it works and why, why you would have a knife where the blade is kind of rounded, I, I, I don't get it. So anyway, um, iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. Um, what we see here is that sometimes, uh, in my experience, that uh, my life is kind of like trying to cut a piece of meat with a dull knife. You know, I've kind of been coasting for years, not really paying attention to the knife, and so I get a really wonderful piece of meat or something, and it doesn't cut it. Or, or for those of you who are crafty, having a scissor, or, or better yet, a, a sewer, having a scissor that, that isn't sharp enough to cut your material, it's crazy because it leaves this sort of jagged edge, which is not what you're looking for. This, this is a problem. You, you need to have sharp implements in order to, to do the job, whether it's a knife or a scissors. And um, a, a few months ago when I was around Christmas time trying to think of something to get my wife for Christmas, I said, you know, I'm going to get her a new set of cutlery because the pieces, the cutlery that we have, we got as a wedding gift 28 years ago. So I went into a, a cutlery shop at the mall and I told the guy behind the counter that I was thinking about buying some new knives because I've had the pair, the, the set that I have for a long, long time. And before I could, you know, basically say anything more, he said, uh, what's wrong with your knives? I go, oh, you know, they're just not cutting very good and, you know, they're old. And, and, go, and, then, and then he says, they're probably a set of knives that you received for your wedding, aren't they? And I go, yeah, how, how'd you know? He goes, oh, yeah, people come in here all the time. You know, they got wedding sets. And then he said, uh, said uh, are they Chicago cutlery? And I go, I don't know. And he goes, well, okay, do, do they have wooden handles on them? And I go, yeah. He goes, that's Chicago cutlery. And I said, so wh what should I get? And he goes, just a second. He goes behind the counter and he pulls out a knife sharpener. And he puts it on the counter. He goes, you know, I could sell, I could sell you a very expensive new set of knives, but I, but I think if I sold you this, which is a lot cheaper, and you took the time to sharpen your knives, the, the knives that you have, they will be fine. And I, I thanked him because I've never had somebody not try to sell me something I didn't need. But the point is that um, when we have sharp knives, um, we, we function better 
Um, and, and so take this metaphor, if you can, for a second and transfer it into our life as a, as a follower of Jesus or a potential follower of Jesus. Uh, in our passage today, we have this proverb from the book of uh, Proverbs where it's a kind of a practical piece of advice on the nature of relationships and, and in the context of doing life together, I think. And so just like those old knives... We, here we go, here's my point, we sometimes settle for what we have because we don't know any different, when all we need to do is spend a little bit more time uh, sharpening our knife, rubbing it uh, against something metal or porous. So what the Proverbs writer is suggesting is that just like iron sharpens iron, so too, and here it is, so too can conflict help us grow Stronger. Just like metal, iron sharpens iron, so too can conflict help us uh, grow stronger. Just as a knife is not as sharp, or uh, if it's not sharp, it's not as useful as it can be, so too to be sharpened as a man or woman or child of God is to be made more useful in life. And in community. And if you want to know the truth, uh, this, it's difficult. It's difficult to live in community, as I said earlier, because we have to rub up against people that we may not know or may not like or they may rub us the wrong way. And it's this conflict, this potential conflict that we can have with one another that often in turn becomes the way God wants to grow us into the person that God wants us to become. Remember last week I, I mentioned to you about the young w- wedding couple who said their vows, and, and I've never done a wedding where the couple actually um, understood deeply what their vows meant. And um, in the same way, a sh- another sign that a young couple uh, who, who is uh, trying to figure their marriage out very early on don't really understand it is when they come into my office and I ask them, so tell me about the last time you had an argument. And uh, in most cases, one of them will say, oh, we are so in love with one another, we never disagree with one another. Yeah, okay, I can, I can sense now, for those of you who've been married a well, while, that's, that's not a good sign. It's not possible for people who live and share life together to do so without occasional conflict. It's the nature of life. And the remarkable thing about conflict is that once that we understand this, hello, hello, you go ahead, next time that happens, just answer it and, and hand me the phone, and I'll say, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is Pastor Brad at Community Covenant Church. Why aren't you here? All right, where was I? The remarkable thing about conflict is that once we understand conflict in itself, in and of itself, is not bad, then we can actually embrace it and allow it to sharpen and shape us into the person that God wants us to be. Now, I know. When, when you're in the heat of an argument with your spouse or, or a good friend at school or a classmate, the last thing that's probably on your mind is, isn't this conflict great? God must be using this to, to, to sharpen me. I know, that's not what we think. 
And I'm not asking you to go out looking for conflict either. I know some of you are sitting there, you're, you're, you're elbowing your spouse and you're going, see, see, it's okay. It's okay if we fight. And I, well, I'm not exactly saying that either. But we must begin to view conflict through the lens of this opportunity for growth if we want to experience the kind of life together that God intends. Now, for most of us, the way we deal with conflict as an adult is a direct reflection of the way our families dealt with conflict when we were children. You know that. I grew up in a, in a family where whenever there was a potential conflict in our family, my mom or my dad would say, okay, that's enough, drop it. I won't ask you to raise your hands if you grew up in a family like that. It's a very common thing to say, okay, that's enough, drop it, especially if you grow up in kind of a Scandinavian, passive-aggressive family like I grew up in, you know? So, for my whole life, anytime it got close to one of us kids expressing ourselves in a way that might result in some sort of tete-a-tete, I'm not sure what that means, but it sounded good, uh, one of my parents would say, okay, it's enough, drop it. And I remember one time, and this might surprise some of you, I'm, I'm sure it will, in my high school years where we're sitting at the dinner table eating and there was an argument about something that began between me and my mom, which was usually the case. Um, And in our usual fashion, my dad would let this kind of go on for a short period of time and he'd continue to eat his peas or butter his bread. And then at at uh, almost like a preordained moment in the meal, he'd say, okay, it's enough, drop it. And we would stop and we would move to some other topic or we would all watch TV. I mean, that's what we did back in the 70s, right? We'd sit around the table and watch TV together. That's crazy. Anyway, um, one time when my dad this, did this, I decided, hey, I, I'm not going to drop it. I feel strongly enough about this topic that I'm going to keep pressing this conversation for as far as it goes. And as you can imagine, I was sort of um, rocking the boat that our family had sort of nicely learned how to row while they're all sitting on the same side of the boat. You know, we were rowing in circles. We weren't communicating with one another. We weren't expressing ourselves, but everybody was happy. And it was as if I was saying, hey, look, I'm tired of this. I want to go someplace. I'm going to move over to the other side of the boat. And when you do that, guess what? Everybody else the family gets pretty ticked off at you. So here I am pressing my case and my sister looked at me as if she as as if she was saying to me, "Are you crazy?" And I just kept pressing it and pressing it and you know, it's funny as I think back about the circumstance. Now it's quite a while ago that I was a teenager, but I I cannot remember the the reason we were arguing. But I can remember viscerally. I can, I can, I'm almost like, uh, can feel my, my, my emotions now as I'm telling you this story. And, and I, I watched my mom look over at my dad. Like, Ed, little help here? Little help? <laughs> and my dad saying, BJ, and that's my, uh, Bradley James is my name, and my dad is the only one in my life who called me BJ. And whenever he used that term, I knew it was really serious. So he said, BJ, I don't want to hear another word out of you. 
looking back at, at this moment, I was being formed by the way my family dealt with conflict. And they viewed conflict as something bad and to be avoided. That's what I learned. And it took me well into my 20s, almost into my 30s, after I married my wife and we tried to figure out how to do this, this uh, conflict thing, that I discovered that conflict in and of itself is not bad. What's potentially harmful is how we deal with conflict. Conflict isn't bad, but, but how we deal with it can sometimes be bad. So one of the ways that we deal with conflict, as I've illustrated in my family story, is by simply shutting it down, and every time it rears its ugly head, we say, nope, we're not going to deal with it, that's enough. That's one way to deal with conflict. And when we do this, however, we may not have to deal with sort of the discomfort, right, of, of interacting over something you feel strongly about with someone who feels differently about it. But in the end, we will not grow as a result. Every time we run up against somebody and we say, okay, drop it, I'm running, you will not grow. So that's the flight. And you, and you know what the other uh, approach to conflict is, and that's kind of the fight, fight or flight. And I'm not going to go into any... Big detail. If you're part of the Life Together Wednesdays, you already know this because we've been discussing this together for the last uh, two or three weeks. But what I really want to say with, to you today is that um, if you're not presently happy with the way you engage conflict in your life, in your family, with your spouse, in your world, whatever that is, you might want to think back to when you were a kid and uh, recall some circumstances when your family dealt or didn't deal with conflict. Now, as I said a minute ago, every Wednesday we gather here in this room, probably this many people, or, or maybe a few more actually, and we're looking at how to manage conflict. And one of the reasons we're doing that is because we want to learn how to grow through our conflict, just as Proverbs suggests, as iron sharpens iron. We want to do that. So as we consider here today how we creatively respond to conflict in our lives, I'm going to offer you some really practical uh, steps to help you navigate through conflict the next time it happens to you. Not if it happens to you, when it happens to you. So here are the steps. And if, you, uh, if you're the kind of person that takes notes, this would be a great place to do it. If, you're, if you have a good memory, go for it. Um, but here they are. Practical steps for growing through conflict. The first one is this, and I've already uh, alluded to this, probably to the point you already get this. Conflict is not always an indicator that your relationship is falling apart. It's not always an indicator that your relationship's falling apart. It's easy to think this sometimes, especially if, um, if you're in a really ragged place in your marriage or in a particular friendship. It's sometimes you think, okay, is this going to be this, the straw that breaks this camel's back? I know, I get that, I've been there. But as I've already suggested to you today, it's really quite the opposite. What conflict is an indicator of is that two people feel passionately enough about something that they have a difference of opinion that they're willing to express. That's all, it's, that's all that it indicates. So the next time you find yourself in a conflicted kind of relationship where, where the, the thermometer feels like it's being turned up in your relationship with your spouse, with your friend, remember that the only people who have conflict... 
are people who care enough about the other person that they are willing to take the risk to engage in conflict. Only the people that care enough engage in conflict. Number two, step for growing through conflict. When conflict arises between you and another person, fight fair. Fight fair. You know, this is harder than it looks, especially when you're raised in a family, when a conflict started, one of those in the fight quickly makes something that's really silly into this really huge thing very quickly. And instead of making it about the issue that you're arguing about, all of a sudden it becomes about you, the person, right? So, you you know, the conversation begins about whether or not you like peas at dinner table, and all of a sudden the other person launches into an argument that people who don't like peas are idiots. Now, you see, you've, you've shifted the argument now. Now, that's just a silly example, but that's what I'm talking about. We do that all the time. We, when we're in a conflict, when, we're, when we have a sense that we're losing, um, we, we, we turn on the other individual and we just uh, attack like crazy. And um, when conflict arises in that context, uh, fighting fair would be to not do that. Not turn this into something about the person that you're disagreeing with, but continue to keep your focus on the issue itself. The third uh, uh, step for growing through conflict that I offer you today is don't div- uh, engage in difficult conversations when you are tired. Now, you know, for some of you who have young children or babies, that, you know, you may have to put an argument off for months. I get that. I get it. But when we engage in uh, uh, difficult conversations, when we are tired, it is hard for us to kind of see the forest for the trees. It's very difficult. When I am tired, I know it. I tend to be impatient. I tend to get a little uh, sassy with my, with my wife especially and less forgiving uh, with those who might disagree with me when we're in conflict. If there is an issue that needs to be settled, it is not important that you settle it at that moment. Okay? There's no, re- there's no relationship that's so tenuous, in my experience, that you can't say to the other person, hey, you know, look, at, I, 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 need, I, I need to get some rest. This is, um, we can't engage in this right now. And I, I think that the other person would, would, would prefer to engage in a difficult conversation when they know you can do it with everything that you've got. So don't engage in difficult, conflictual conversations when you are tired. Here's the fourth uh, piece of advice that I offer you. Don't over-spiritualize the issue. Don't over-spiritualize the issue. You know, it's good if, you're, if you know you're going into a conversation where there's going to be a little uh, sparks to pray a brief prayer asking God for wisdom and gentleness when engaging in that conversation. That's good. I, I, I encourage you to do that. But don't play the God card every time you have a conflict with another person. Don't play the God card. This is a subtle form of manipulation that often has the opposite effect of what you're actually trying to accomplish. For example, if you're arguing about money, even though it may be true, don't say to your spouse, if you paid closer attention to your spending, then we would have more money to give away to church. Okay, that's a God card. Don't play that card. Even though it might be true. That's what I'm talking about. 
God is clearly interested that we grow and change through conflict, but God is not interested in being the bludgeon that we use to win an argument. So if you're the kind of person that likes to, you know, throw out those little barbs of uh, quoting scripture in order to win your argument with your with your spouse or with your kid, especially your teenage kid, don't do it. It's not worth it in the end. And then the fifth uh, practical advice I give you is this. Agree to disagree. Sometimes there are issues that you will not agree on with a person or a spouse. Sometimes, all the time, there are going to be issues you don't agree on. And that's the beauty, if you think about it, of being in community. That's the value of keeping, as your pastor Mark would say, the main thing, the main thing. Roxy and I have a handful of topics that we have been arguing with each other about for 28 years. We know what they are, and most of the time, we can live in relationship with one another even though we don't see the world the same way on these particular issues. Because we've come to the place in our, in our relationship where we, our relationship is not um, determined by whether we agree on everything. Now, sometimes one of us will want to turn over the rock that has one of these issues lying beneath it. And when we do, when that happens, the other person will often say, now, are you sure that you want to engage in that issue again right now? And sometimes the person will say, nope. And they'll turn the rock back over and we can go on. Other times, yeah, we, we go at it. Um, those are uh, six, five pieces of practical advice I think can help us um, engage in creative conflict in a way that deepens our faith and our relationship to God, but also can deepen our relationship with one another. The writer of the Proverbs understood the value of conflict and, and finding creative ways to, to deal with it, as iron sharpens iron is, is an expression of that, really. And if, and if this proverb was the only reason that we should probably engage in creative conflict, it would probably be enough. It would be okay. But there's another reason, however, why I believe with all my heart that we should take seriously um, conflict and engage it uh, to the best of our ability so that we can grow. And that reason the Apostle Paul describes in Romans chapter 5 when he says this, While we were yet sinners... While we were alienated from God, while we were a long way off from God, while we were living in conflict with our Creator, Christ died for us. In other words, God overcame the biggest conflict of all time by giving Himself away for the sake of community for all time. What this means is that we are no longer bound by our sin, by our alienation. We are no longer estranged from our Creator. But we have the privilege of being invited into relationship. And this invitation is offered to us freely and without constraint. And the beautiful thing is, is that the result of God's initiative, this wasn't ours, we can be in relationship with God and with one another at an entirely different level 
than we've ever experienced before. Because God has made it possible. God has made it possible for us to be reconciled to him through Jesus. We are also able to be reconciled to one another. We're we're able to overcome our conflict creatively. And this reconciliation means when when we find ourselves trying to live this, this life together and we disagree or we have a spat or we don't see the world the same way, we don't have to give up trying to, 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 to experience life together. We don't have to resign ourselves to living with this low-grade conflict that we keep shoving under the carpet. Because God has done this on our behalf. We can engage in creative conflict that results in our own spiritual growth and gives witness to a watching world. Get this. Gives witness to a watching world that there is a God who desires that the world be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. That's what we witness when we engage in creative conflict. Now, if you find yourself here today and this is the first time you've heard this news that you can actually live through conflict and that God desires to, to uh, no, no longer be estranged with you, I want to be as direct as I can to you this morning. I want to say that God desires to have a relationship with you. But it's up to you. You can choose to continue to live your life outside of the realm of God's reach, or you can allow God to embrace you and call you your child, his child. Perhaps you've been listening to me this morning and you are saying to yourself, yes, this all sounds good. You're the preacher. You think deep thoughts all week and you, and you, you know, spit them out here. But it's way harder than that. Well, maybe. But there's no relationship in my experience that's too far gone that you can't begin to engage in conflict in a different way. There's, no, there's never too much water under the bridge. My spouse and I could never learn how to live with creative conflict like you've described, you say. But my advice to you is this. Don't give up. Don't give up. There is no amount of conflict that you are struggling with that is outside the realm of God's ability. Okay, So don't make this about you and your creativity and ability to sort of uh, maneuver with the conflict in your life. Let God into your life so that God can begin to set things right. And finally, if you're here this morning and you know the joy and the struggle of engaging in creative conflict, thank God that somewhere along the line in your spiritual life, you learned how to live with and grow through conflict. And for those of you who find yourself in this position, I want you to pray for God to lead you to someone whom you can walk alongside as they are struggling to figure out how to make their way through conflict in their life. In the end, in the end, conflict is not something that we need to be afraid of. Just like iron sharpens iron, we too, you and I, can become sharpened and refined as we become what God intends. This might sound like a tall order, but I think we can do this.
And this is my prayer for you today. Lord, soften the edges of our heart so that we can look at some of the conflict that we are either presently in or have been in in the past, some of the relationships that have become estranged, maybe a child that's moved away who's kind of rejected the values of our faith and we've stopped communicating at a deeper level than, hey, how's the weather? Whatever the case, God, will you enter into our lives and enable us to look with new eyes at how we can engage creatively in difficult situations, not so that we can win every argument that we have in the future, but so that we might grow deeper in our relationship with you. If there's somebody here today, God, who for the first time recognize their need to no longer be a stranger of you and want to invite you into their lives. I pray that, that uh, an overwhelming sense, a rush of, of your compassion and love would enter into their, into their spirits at this very moment. Thank you for being a God that's bigger than conflict and as a result does not leave us stranded as we find ourselves in hard places all the time. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.